Welcome, 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 and welcome to the RIP 28 Podcast. The RIP 28 Podcast. The RIP 28 Podcast is a spot where a few friends can get together and we can discuss a few things. Now, some of those things you might like, some of those things you might not like, but we're going to keep on talking about them on the RIP 28 Podcast. I am Slider Sports Guy, joined by a few, a few of my good friends. Let's start off with some introductions over in the top left. My homeboy, the doctor. What's going on, Dr. J? Hey, not much, not much. Just over here chilling, man. Good weekend with the fam. Ready to chop it up with my boys. All right, down in the bottom, we got the educators. Educator, what's going on, LBZ? Man, it's busy the great, the educator's educator. Just here to be educated today. I'm going to sit back and absorb and learn. Well. Down over, <laughs> over there talking in the corner, talking in the corner, the newest atl and C. Nez, holla at me, boy. Nez in the building once again, man. Uh, getting tired of this corona, man. I think I'm getting a little spring fever, man. We need to get up out of this house, man. <laughs> I hear you. And we got we got one of the original members. We ain't seen him in a long time, but he down here. The one and only A. Bennett. What's going on, Tom? What's up, people? What's up, people? Man, I'm happy to be back. You know, I took my little break. I was working at nights. So now I'm on the daytime shift. I'm back with you guys. Oh, that ain't no Ruffin. little. That ain't no Ruffin. little break. <laughs> uh, David Ruffin, uh, want to come back to the group now. Yeah, he want, he want to come back to the group now. Look at him. Won't come yeah. back. Don't come in without David Ruffin. Enjoying the fellas, enjoying the fellas. Well, before we talk about all the stuff that you done missed out on, Todd, since you've been gone so long, we've been getting bigger, better, and better here on the RIP 28 podcast, man. We are all over the place. We are all over the place, man. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Anchor. I want to make sure all our listeners, all our viewers, whether you're watching or listening, make sure, make sure that you go out, you click the subscribe button, click the follow button, click the like button. Now, if you don't click the like button, I'm going to think you a hater. I'm going to think something wrong with you or your mom ain't raised you right because I don't know why you wouldn't want to click the like button, the like a show like the RIP 28 podcast, man. So make sure you support the podcast. Now, we done did all that talking, all that in the book. So we got a special guest. We got a special guest on the show. We got the one and only from the Change Church. We got the Reverend, the Reverend, the Pastor, Zach Brewster. How you doing, Pastor? Doing well. Thanks for the invitation. Glad to be a part of the Rip 28 podcast today. And uh, looking forward to hanging out with you guys tonight. Well, man, we are glad to have you, man. You know, we like to say, man, We even though we do a little bit of ratchet stuff, we do do a little bit of righteous stuff, too, here on the Real 28 Podcast. And one of the reasons we, uh, well, uh, Anton decided to reach out to his pastor, uh, Pastor Zach. He said, man, it's a lot going on in the community today, and we often kind of wonder, where is the black church? You know, all us coming up, and when our parents was coming up, the black church and the pastors were a fixture in the black community. You couldn't have any protest, any any type of change, any type of thing that went on in the black community. It went on through the black church. Now, during the modern days, especially with the Black Lives Movement and everything like that, we're kind of wondering about where is the black church? What's the black church's standing in the in the black community now? So, so we figure, you know, why don't we go and get a pastor to talk to us? Tell us a little bit about what's going on. So first of all, we want to ask y'all to learn a little bit about you, uh, Pastor Zach. What's what's your church, the, the Change Church? Tell us a little bit about your church. Well, the Change Church, we, we started in the middle of the pandemic, which is crazy. We didn't know the pandemic was coming. Uh, so March 8th, uh, 2020 was our first service. Um, we planted the church at that time. Uh, we were in person for two weeks, uh, and then we've been virtual uh, like most churches since that time. I pastored a, a, what I would call a traditional black church for about uh, eight and a half years. Um, and, and at that time I left, um, I felt it was time for me to uh, change and change focus. I was actually planning to start a church at the time. And another church asked me to stop and be their interim for a while. I, I spent about 60 days with that church. Um, they then went in a different direction and then I went up with my original vision of planning the change church. And so uh, for us, 
Um, it, it, the, the name says it all. Uh, it is our intent to change the way people see church, to change the way people view church. Um, I want to be very clear, though, I'm not changing anything from a biblical perspective. As a matter of fact, I believe we're trying to get the church back to what it should be in the first place. And so when we talk about the change church, we're trying to change the focus of what we have morphed this thing into and get it back to its original intent, which is the early church that can be seen in Acts 2, Acts 3, Acts 4, uh, uh, specifically in Acts 4 uh, for the change churches. So that's a little bit about us. We're coming up on our one year anniversary. We will actually be coming back um, in person on March the 7th to be our grand opening at our new location. And uh, we're gonna mask everybody up and come back together and uh, uh, keep it safe, uh, keep it sanitized. Um, but we're, we're gonna give people an opportunity to come back and worship in person. So hope I didn't go too long, but that's a little bit about us. No, nah, no, nah, that, that, that's perfect, man. You know, like I said, we want to learn a little bit about, for, for, our, for our listeners and our viewers to find out a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your church, you know. Um, so I, I, can I step in right quick? Jump so in. You said, yeah, so, you know, everybody here doesn't necessarily, I don't, I don't know, people might study the Bible, but you say Acts 4 church. So what is an Acts 4 church? Just to, so we have a... a no, the, the, the um, scripture. Sure. Yeah, I'm saying what it mean, what it means. Yeah, because uh, do you know Chance? Hey, I, I just pulled it up. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a good question. So, right. in, in the Book of Acts, you know, uh, you have the disciples' last interaction with Jesus in the Book of Acts in the first chapter, where Jesus would tell them to go and make disciples. It's, it's kind of the second time he's given them this command. You'll see it in, in Matthew 28 as well, and then in Acts two you find the day of Pentecost where they're in the upper room, the Holy Spirit comes, and in the end of Acts 2, Peter starts to preach, and the church kind of formulates themselves. Uh, in Acts 3, you had a first um, a recorded miracle by the disciples at the gate beautiful, and then in Acts 4, they go through a period of kind of establishing the church. Um, the thing that sticks out to me about the church is it says, all men had all things in common, and everyone gave as they had need, so nobody lacked anything. In other words, if you were connected with that church and you had an issue in your life financially, you had an issue in your life uh, with anything that you needed, somebody in that church gave you what you needed. And it's a sad day, especially in the middle of the pandemic, that the church is still taking and not giving. And so when I talk about the Acts 4 church, I'm talking about a church where we fellowship, we focus our attention on giving. Our mission is very clear to change church. We give, we grow, and we go. And we, we specifically focus on the book of Acts um, in, in Acts 4, around 32 to about 38. You'll see how this church came together and everybody had everything in common. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, he broke it down for you, Jawan. Yeah, hey, look, I, I'm um, here to learn. I'm, like you said, uh, uh, Beasy, hey, educate. I, I'm here to learn. I'm not here to educate. It. I ain't mad at you. Check this out. Um, Pastor Anthony Anderson, I mean, um, Pastor Zach. Um, <laughs> um, I just want to find out, and me, for myself, I want to ask you, and I know that a lot of people I talk to have this problem. They like to know about the tithing. Of course, people sure. always want to know about my money and where is it going. Can you mm -hmm. break that down for not just us, but for our listeners that may be kind of confused or not have that answer? So the first question is, you want me to deal with the tithe, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, you know, tithing is a biblical principle dating all the way back to, to Abraham. The first time we see the word tithe is when he paid a tithe to um, a biblical figure by the name of Melchizedek, um, who many believe is a type of Christ because he had no beginning and no ending, and Abraham would, would pay him a tithe. Um, many people focus on the book of Malachi, when we talk about, well, a man robbed God, how have you robbed me? You've robbed me in my tithe and in my offering. Uh, a lot of Christians will say, well, tithing is not in the New Testament. Um, and so well, we will see giving talked about in the New Testament. Uh, for me, I believe in the tithe. It's a tenth of what God is giving you. Um, I believe we tithe off our gross, not our net. Um, I believe that uh, what we hold on to often limits us from God's power in our lives. And so, you know, money is, is, is the most a tangible thing that we get in our hands. And if we can trust God with that, we can trust God with other things. Now, talking about where the tithe goes to, it depends on what church you're in. I'm not here to knock how any other church does it. For us, 50% uh, of what we bring in, we send back out. That's our intent. 
So we want to we want to send 50 percent back out in our community, 50 percent into the lives of other people. That's our intent. That's our focus. I believe that the church has to stop just taking tithes and start giving tithes. So for us, we want to take your 10 percent. We want to take 50 percent of your 10 percent and send it back out. So, so your, your tithes not going to the private jet. No, <laughs> <laughs> not at all. And you know, I, I'm not one to be bothered by that. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't have an issue with uh, preachers who have private jets and things of that sort. My question is, what are they doing in their communities? What are they doing in, in their cities? And so, it, it, money, money is a relative topic. Rich is well, relative. Wealthy is relative. It's relative to what we can attach it to. So. If I have a private jet, you say, oh, man, that's exorbitant. Well, what if they're giving millions of dollars in their community as well? Then the jet doesn't seem so absorbent in terms of cost. So I don't have a jet issue. I just my, my question is, can you see the fruits of other things they're giving outside of the jet, outside of the, uh, the mansions and things of that sort? But, uh, I, you know, people have a very uh, challenged view of sometimes how the church spends resources. I understand it. For me, my intent is, we should be a, few, a, a, a funnel to give back into the community. I've been I've been to a church before where you know they they talk about you know giving your tithes, giving your offering, but um, we had elders and deacons, and every time you seen the uh, plate go by them, they passing it on like like uh, I guess I do my duty for the church, so I ain't got to do that. I ain't, I ain't in that same category. Have you ever uh, ran across something like that where people? Do? I'm sure it happens. That's a great question, Chance. I'm sure it happens. For me, I pastoring is something for me. I've always been bivocational. So I, I'm not just a, a pastor. I have a job as well. I own businesses as well. So for me, I've tried to keep my mind pure as it relates to that. I've never looked at what anybody gives. I'm not interested because I'm human. So regardless, I'm going to start thinking, oh, this person gives a lot or this person gives a little, and it could potentially take my approach to them. So I don't want to know who gives a dollar and I don't want to know who gives a million dollars. If the phone rings, I have to pick it up. If that family needs service, I have to serve that family. I'm not interested in who gives what. I, I'm only responsible for my giving and the directing the giving of the church. But yes, I, I've heard of those types of issues. I know what happens. I've never asked to see individual gifts. I know what we take in from a number, but I don't want to know who gives what. I, I really don't have any interest in it. I think it'll taint my ability to truly serve the people. I'm gonna be honest, Pastor Nav. I'm giving a million dollars. I, I want you to have some my phone call a little quicker. And most people feel that way, Scott. Most people feel that way, which is why I don't want to know. I, I just don't want to know. It's I protect myself from that from that issue. Right, right. I, if I give a million, I'm gonna let you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, hey Pastor, you got that check? You get that check packed. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I like, I like what you, what, the model of the church that you want to take what you get and fifty percent go back out to the community. I think that's the more so the downfall because most churches are here to build these big buildings and 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 you know everybody show I got a lot right, but really it's about what you can do to help other people and that's what the you know that was the basis of churches a long time ago, and uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of where we kind of lost our. Or path that. Yeah. I totally agree. That that's the original church. And I'm not mad at churches building buildings, but what has happened is we have industrialized and um, formalized the church in such a way that we become like industry. And so what ends up happening is you can't give. And so you have to you have to kind of model yourself in such a way where yeah, you have to have a facility, certain things you have you have to have in order to encompass a body of people. But you have to do it in a way in your ratios and your balancing as not to take away from your ability to truly impact community. And that's when that's when it becomes challenging, which is why for me, again, I don't like anybody else. My intent is to always work. I've never I never had a desire just to sit in an office in a local church and, and, and only be taken care of by them. That's not my interest. Yeah, but like you said, when they start building those buildings, like, yeah, you might need it. But then that also put that strain on the church because now a lot of times they financing that. So now you got bills that you have to pay. And so now you got to bring in a certain amount of money. And that that's where that whole tie in, like you said, becomes industry. So now I say, we got to be profitable. We got to do this. In every business, you still got to be profitable. That just puts more demand there. So. Everybody been part of the building fund. Building <laughs> <laughs> fund. I, I have a question. Uh, with me being in education and uh, working in the high school and the elementary school, 
what do you feel about bringing church, um, God, and uh, religion back into the back into schools? You know, it's a challenging thing because I, I believe that the pandemic has been a gift to us. Uh, my, my, my personal uh, belief is I do believe in the separation of church and state. Um, I, I believe that God is a God of choice. Um, I don't believe God, if, if that were the case, Adam would never have sinned. So I don't believe you force religion into any entity on anyone. You make it a choice. And the religion starts at home. Faith starts at home. And the problem is everybody wants to institutionalize everything, even the church. You, you hadn't taught my kids enough about the Bible. When the last time you had the Bible over at home? And so I'm glad the pandemic happened because I believe the church is back in the right place. Um, and I think what will be powerful is not for us to institute religion back in the schools, but to send out faith-believing children into the schools. That when I show up to the school, I walk in my faith. I, I walk in with a word in my heart. I walk in with a song in my heart. I walk in with being the light of Christ in my heart. And you don't have to sit down and make me open a Bible. What happens when the kids bring their own Bible and say, I'm going to read a little scripture since I got a little time at lunch. I'm going to pray with a friend since I got a little time on a break. That's powerful about the church. But I don't believe we should institute it. Um, not in the current society that we're in. America was built on religious freedoms. And so I'm not a big fan of bringing it back in schools or back in the industry or forcing anyone on it. I think if we do it right in the home, it will usher itself back in. Now, that, now that's real interesting when you talk about bringing it back into the schools. And, and my thing is not a community because, you know, like we kind of said in the intro, the black church was huge. The black church was huge. And, and you know, every neighborhood had his own church and his church kind of reached out and took care of that neighborhood or, or, what, or vice versa. But now, you know, you have so many of these mega churches. You know, I live in Atlanta. And Atlanta, you know, you got, you probably got five churches that got over 10,000 members. You know, and, and, and in my mind, from what, I, from what I see, when it comes to a lot of the, the Black Lives Matter, you know, the civil unrest going on in, in the community, I don't see the church involved in any of that. And, you know, so, so how do you feel about the church being, you know, a pillar of the community? You know, why, why do you think it fell off? Or has it fell off? I, I, think, I think you have to deal with societal shifts, first of all. Um, I think you have to look at the timing. Just like if we argue whether uh, LeBron is better, whether Jordan is better, or whether, um, you know, Bill Russell is better than Shaq. Everything's about time, right? And so the the the... the emphasis that you saw in the black church there wasn't a whole lot of options either for people to go anywhere you had things that were only black only and white only so they couldn't just show up at certain malls and certain movies and go certain eating places people didn't have social media on their phones people didn't have doordash so i would argue that the local restaurant has lost as much as the local church i would argue that the local uh tailor has lost as much as the local church that the local person in your community that would normally take care of your your home goods or take care of your handyman work has lost as much as the local church because Home Depot moved in and Walmart moved in and things of that sort. So I think what we what we end up doing is we try to take a snapshot of time and say, why isn't this like that? Well, the same reason that you don't have a home phone, most of us on this line, you got a cell phone. The same reason you can't find a pay phone if you drive down the street. The same reason that you, you, you don't have a beeper anymore. And so... I'm not avoiding your question, but I want to set the framework of times change. Now, what is the church's role in these movements? I think it depends on the church. I think I think the church should always stand up for justice. And whatever justice is in this time frame in which we're in, Christ said, whatever you do to the least of these, you've done unto me. And so anytime we see any, any group of people oppressed, whether it's the Mexican children down in cages or another African-American male just got shot again last week uh, who was jaywalking, the church needs to be standing up for that. I think we're in a time that whatever your movement is, you need to be moving somewhere. Whether your movement is Black Lives Matter and the church needs to align with that, whether your movement is to stamp out uh, things that are happening to immigrants or things that are happening to single mothers or things that are happening to the poor, whatever your movement is. I don't think the church just has to be one thing. I think the church has to stand up and speak out for a thing, whatever that thing is. And so that would be my um, 
uh, my, my synopsis on the church's role, that yes, the role has changed, but so is our world. And yes, the church should stand up. I don't know that the church is necessarily, necessarily more qualified than the leaders of the movement to be on the front lines. As a matter of fact, I probably have more critiques about church leaders stepping up in the front of the move, movement simply to get airtime and camera time versus really having something to say. In my mind, I can support the movement by doing my work in my local area. And if I get a platform, I can say something, but just because I'm pastor so-and-so, doesn't mean I'm supposed to be at the mic. As a matter of fact, I watch more old school local churches kill movements than help movements because you didn't come kiss the ring or stop by my church and ask me for permission to work in this community. So I think the church has to stop being a relic and really start leading in some of these movements. And uh, I believe times have changed. I believe the church has changed. But to be very clear, we should be standing up. We should be speaking up. I just think the way in which we speak up may, may be and must be a little different, and we may not be as qualified as we have been um, in previous times. I hope I answered that question. I know I went several places, but it was important to me to set the framework to be very clear about it. Nah, nah, you good. You good. Well, uh, let me get a, get a question in real quick. What, what you got? Go ahead, Juan. It's hey, well, I was going to say, he made, he made a, lot of, a lot of good points. And all. One, one point he made was that a lot of churches don't because you might step on the foot of this church down the road. Um, and I think there's power in churches really moving all together. And that, that's one thing that we you don't see because every individual church is, is it has their church is the priority and we're not saying hey group of which churches say how can we affect this community what can we do how can we pull resources such that we could change the community that we're in so i think that was an excellent point there but well, well, to kind of piggyback off what you just said you know when you think about churches you got old traditions of churches and then you got the newer traditions of, of a church what are the old traditions that you think are, are, should be still still valid in the church today, and what are the ones that need to be phased out? You know, Ooh, that's a challenging one because I don't <laughs> want to offend anybody about their traditions. I think I, I can only I can only speak for the Christian church. Let me say that. Um, let me let me kind of boil it down just for the Christian church churches that say we follow Christ and Christ is our Savior. That's that's what I'm speaking for. I'm kind of zone this in. I think some things that you can't lose is communion. Um, uh, Christ says, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. I, I don't think you can lose baptism. I think you always have to be willing to be baptized and baptize others as Christ was baptized. Um, I, don't, I don't think you lose the sense of discipleship in, in, in allowing people to join the church and be a part of the church. Frankly, I think everything else is open for debate. <laughs> um, I think we should have a, a day that we worship, whatever that day is, whatever floats your boat, whatever feels good to you. Um, but, uh, as you know, I'm very non-traditional. Um, if you come to my church, you won't look a whole lot like the church many of us probably grew up in. And I, I just believe that God is ever changing and we should be ever changing. And so those traditions that are critical are baptism, salvation, communion. I think outside of that kind of, it's, it's, it's fair game to have a God is speaking to you. I think God speaks to all of us in different ways in several dispensations. And I know the way that I would bring the word probably would be totally different than the guy down the street, and I don't knock him. Um, but I think those traditions should at least be the same, that I can expect to be baptized, I can expect to have communion, I can expect to be able to become a member of the church. I hope I answered that question. Yeah, now, I know um, I grew up in a, I want to say, a mega church um, down in Columbia, and they have services now that you got your tradi traditional service, and then mm -hmm. you got contemporary service. And that's just one of the things I was thinking about, you know, how they change it up like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. And I, I think I think churches that do that a lot of times are trying to appease a certain generation of people, which I don't think is a bad thing, but they're trying to make the service something that they can relate to. And I think you have to try to be relatable to everyone. Uh, in our service today, I thought it was very interesting because I guess if you had to box us, we would be very contemporary. And so we're singing the song and the worship leader like, reaches way back, and I mean, start singing an old school song, and the old folks was just having a fit about it. I thought, hey, that's a good thing. So I think you can serve serve everybody, and uh, I think that's the struggle of the church, um, and it's really the struggle uh, of the workplace. Uh, Anton, as you know, I'm in HR, and so in, in the HR world, you have several different generations in the workplace. You got millennials, you got baby boomers, you got Gen Xers that are all working together. 
And so anytime you start even trends in the workplace, that's a challenging thing because you have all these generations to work, working together. The church is no different. Hey, well, with all that we just talked about, and then uh, a little bit earlier, you, you know, you, you mentioned like, you know, some Mexicans and different races and stuff. So what, what do you think, why do you think that, uh, you know, you got your white churches and then you got your black churches. It's, uh, they, you don't really see a bunch of mixed churches these days. Um, I lived in Arkansas and uh, the church I went to was predominantly white. Well, not predominantly all white except for me, my family. So that's five. And then another um, another black couple, which was uh, three. And, you know, it, it's just a, a big difference between, you know, the black church and the white church. And things like it's, it's taboo for them to mix it up together. And I, and I think that's that's an issue. That's that's a problem to me that, you know, everybody can't get along, can't go church together and worship together and then make that community stronger and bigger. So um, what, what's your uh, your take on that? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's I think it has to be intentional. Anytime that you're going to break down those barriers, it's definitely my intent to do so. Um, and yet at the same time, you know, when you're intentional about it, I think you have to make moves to go and reach out to those communities. Bill Clinton said years ago that Sunday morning is the most segregated time in America because on Sunday morning, everybody kind of goes to their separate corners. And so ironically today, I went to my car and there's a guy that's working. We're, we're near some local businesses and this guy's Asian. And he said, uh, is that a new church? And I said, yes, sir. He said, well, we've been looking for a church. I said, well, you should come Sunday morning and we'll, we'll be here next week at nine o'clock. And so I think it's just that effort for everybody to invite. But once you get people in, just like, just like corporate America, you have to start developing leadership that looks like what you want to uh, uh, have people gravitate to. So um, I, I think the church has some work to do in that. Um, and, and I think that's something that we just have to continue to make efforts to break down those barriers. Um, and that's what I was going to say. I don't consider us a black church. I can say most of our members are black at this time, um, but I don't consider us a black church. I consider us a church and we're available to any and everyone that would want to come. Uh, but we have to make efforts to continue to invite others in as well. Now, it's interesting you're talking about the most Sunday morning being the most segregated time um, because, you know, it's one of the things I always heard, you know, it's two places that's still segregated in America. That's church and in the cemetery. Those are two places that's still segregated. <laughs> and, and it is, um, it, it, it's amazing. I can't, I can't recall the name of the church in Columbia, but I think it was a Methodist church. I'm not quite sure what it was, but I know one of it was on Broad River Road and another one was kind of downtown. Well, within their denomination, um, one church was black and the other church was white. Well, whoever was the bishop or whoever was in charge, you know, the governing body of that church, they decided to take the black pastor and move him to the white church and take the white pastor and move him to the black church. And they said within a matter of a year, the churches swapped. All the white people started going to the black church, and all the black people started going to the white church. And they say within a matter of a year, it completely swapped over. And I, I just find that, that that hilarious almost. Yeah, um, it, it, it's, 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 it's not shocking. You know, some of this has to do with style, too. Uh, you know, a lot of times your cultural style uh, you think about it, uh, we don't worship alike. Sometimes we don't eat alike. Sometimes we don't dance alike. Sometimes we don't hang out alike. Uh, I would probably say the most integrated time in America is Saturday uh, during the football game or Sunday during the football game because it, we, 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 we root for the same teams and we, 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 we play the same positions. And so the church has to figure out a way to be mindful of the fact that we're all all playing for the same team. We all have on the same jersey. We're all rooting for the same thing. And I think church can grab something from the sports world and try to solve this issue so, that we have. You said, you said one thing about leadership and having the leadership look like what you, modeling what you want as far as uh, uh, having your church be an interracial. Um, mm -hmm. uh, uh, have you started that? That I know y'all just started a church. I don't know how, what your leadership looks like right now, but uh, uh, have you started trying to trying to integrate some of that? We're not there yet. I think it's, it's the challenge, just like in the HR world that you have with affirmative action. So you want the most qualified person. And so when we're hiring, we may want to increase our minority population. So you go out in minority schools, things of that sort. But the job opening is for everyone. Well, you don't want to hire the most qualified black person 
or the most qualified white person. You want to call her the most qualified person. And sometimes the most qualified person keeps looking like you. And so that's the challenging thing. So we're not there yet, but it's, it's definitely our intent. Okay. All right, Pastor, I got a question for you. Do you think the church has taken a hit because we have some churches and some pastors, or whether it's a mega church or whatever, that are in competition with one another? That if you build this um, two-acre church, I got to go out and I got to be better than Zach, or I got to be better than Anton, or, or, or and, 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 and kind of making a competition as opposed to trying to draw everybody in to make sure somebody's under somebody's church. Let me, let me say it a little differently. Um, I definitely agree with that, that the fact that there is some of that. I don't know that it is as much in facilities and in uh, trying to gain members as far as it is in not being able to have a unity of understanding what God was speaking through the Bible. And so to me, where you see that mostly is in the fact that you can be in a four mile radius, three mile radius, and you got Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, Episcopal. And so what everybody's saying is Pentecostal, um, five baptized holiness. What they're saying is God said a little something different to me, non-denominational, God said a little something different to me. And so to me, the split in the competition is more about being right than it is about necessarily gaining money or gaining, and I do believe some of that exists, but what I see it the most is in the fact that we're in, we're in one street in the South and you got five churches and all of them got five people in them. <laughs> what if they all came together? You have a membership of 25, but every, nobody's, nobody's gonna give up their authority. Nobody's gonna give up their pop-up tent church. And there's so many people that are chasing titles and chasing the idea of well, I want to be the pastor. Well, no, I want to be the pastor. So I'll just go down the street and I'll try to take your people and I'll throw shots at you and shots at that. And, and it's, it's a very challenging thing. So that's why I see the most of it. And I do believe there's an arrogance uh, oftentimes that that um, perpetuates the pulpit. It makes me sick on my stomach uh, because I believe there are a lot of preachers that want to be kings instead of that want to be servants. And so I, I feel like I see a lot of that. But, yeah, like you say, man, that, that's a good point. You know, um, uh, I, I will say one good thing about church I went to, we did go back into the history a lot of churches. And, you know, at the beginning, it was only one church. And, you know, somebody had a, a attitude or somebody didn't get their way or somebody thought a little different. And then you start splitting up, then you start splitting up, then you start splitting up. And now you got all these different denominations. I mean, that's, that's, that's a great point that it's still going on today that people just, if, if I don't like you, I'm going to start my own thing. And then that causes more division in the church because everybody sees the Bible or reads the Bible a little bit differently. So they're going to take that and, and move it on. Where the, where the main thing is, like you said earlier before, you know, getting baptized, <laughs> community, and, and uh, all the basic things that just should be what the church is about. But then everybody starts to put their little spin on it. And then we got all these different denominations. Hey, hey so what you're saying is everybody out the position, right? Most times, sadly. Position. And you know, most of the time the churches, they break up because like what Sly said, you gonna know I gave you this million dollars, the million dollar check. <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't acknowledge me that I gave you the million dollar check, I'm about to go break my own church and we gonna be in competition. And they exactly. make a decision. And that's what's- It's like up. AAU teams. <laughs> it's like, hey, there you go. It's like hey, seriously, because what happens? Anton gets upset with the head coach. Just using you as an, as an example, Tom. Anton gets mad with this head coach. Oh, Jacob ain't playing. I got some for him. I'm gonna take him over here. Oh, Sly not gonna play. I just start my own team. So that's kind of like what it is. You get upset. You get mad. You take your ball. You go somewhere else. Yeah. And they forget the mission of the whole church, man. And forget the whole mission. You so busy worried about getting back at Anton, Chance, and Jawan and Pastor Zach that you forget about it. Ain't it's not about us. About it's about man, like Pastor man, said, hey, what are we doing for the community to help grow the church in a healthy let me, way? Let me tell you something. I, I don't mean to um, give out one of your your, your um, sermons, Pastor, um, but you had that one sermon where you had that light bulb up on the uh, up on the. Uh, on the um, pool pick, I can even think. And he had some people um, doing the tug of war, <laughs> on, like in front of at the altar. 
And they, they went in looking up at the pool pitch. So I'm like, y'all lost focus on what we're here for. And that, that was the big, I was, I was like, it's crazy, man. I don't yeah, know if you remember was, that, that sermon, but. I do remember that, yeah. 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 The church will never be powerful as it, 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 as it can be until we start all working together. And that's, that's the sad thing about that, so. Now, I'm curious. I'm curious. Um, you know, you're talking about the church and advancing the church. You know, how, how, how do you modernize the church? How do you feel about how do you feel about modernizing the church? Uh, because a lot of people, a lot of people don't mind going to Bedside Baptist Church. You know, uh, are you are you with, um, I guess, cyber, even if even if we aren't in the pandem- pandemic, when we get out of this pandemic, how do you feel about going to church or, or rather just watching it on TV? You know, I think it's a beautiful thing. The, the, the pandemic was the best thing that ever happened to us. Because when you start a new church, what do you want? You want people to hear your message. And everybody at home can go to five churches right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm not pressed with whether people come or not. I'm pressed with what we do with what we have. And so during the pandemic, we've had people join us in New Jersey. We've had people join us in Georgia. We've had people join us in Maryland. And so we're in South Carolina. So people can join us from anywhere. We're not about attendance. Uh, we're about focus. Uh, we want people that are focused on our mission and our vision, no matter where they are. Our hope is to get people in Europe and Asia and everywhere else. So I think when you have a small mind and you focus on filling butts in a small facility or even a large facility, you limit the reach of the church. So the church should never be about the presence of the attendance of people. If they can't come out, I love for them to come. We're going to open back up primarily because, from my personal opinion, I'm watching everybody eat. I'm watching everybody work. I'm watching everybody go everywhere and the church is closed. That's a problem for me. So I sat on planes three or four times last year during the pandemic with next to strangers with a mask on and thank God I've been fine. So everybody's going to mask up. We're going to bring them back together. I'm giving people that opportunity because I think some people need that community. Some people need that fellowship, but I want people, whether it's a pandemic or not to worship in the way of their choice. And if your choice is, Hey man, me and my family, we're going to make breakfast on a Sunday morning. We're going to sit together. We're going to listen to the word. We're going to go out and take something and do in our local community. We're going to give to the church and support the efforts. Hey, more power to you. I, I, I'm not a stranger to preaching to uh, empty chairs, and I'm not a stranger to preaching to a full house. So it don't bother me either way. One thing, during this pandemic, you could tell a lot of pastors who didn't take heed to the, the modernization <laughs> of, of uh, social media. Pastors with yeah. their phones in front of their face doing it. <laughs> and, 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 and Tom, my big problem is they still haven't caught up. We've been in this for a year, and these guys that still haven't bought a camera, still haven't bought software, and they still got the camera right here in their face. And to me, it's like you're gonna have to catch up because the time is gonna pass you. We'll never not be online. So if I'm in a facility that seats a hundred thousand, I'm still gonna be online, and I'm still gonna modernize it because if we don't, we're gonna lose the generation behind us. And I, yeah, that's 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 real interesting. You, you brought up losing the generation behind us, because um, the church I went to, church, church, well, the church I went to back home in Columbia, growing up, it seems like when I was a, when I was a youngster, church might have had five hundred people in the church, you know, six hundred people in the church uh, coming consistently. But as I got older and older, and people started to die off, families moved out. And left and left out, um, the church could never replace those people with with new uh, with new uh, younger people or uh, anything like that. Everybody just kind of moved on. Um, do, do do you see that as? I don't know. Just listening, you know, maybe that's a blessing and a curse because you said earlier, you know, you got five churches on on block on one block, and each of them got five people. Well, maybe if a couple of churches die out. They can come together to form a bigger church. But then you see that on one hand, but on the other hand, you lose you lose out if you create these mega churches. See, I knew my pastor. I go to my pastor's house. I can talk to him at the church. I can get to him at the church. But my church in church in Atlanta, yeah, it ain't that easy to get to the pastor. I can talk to all the assistant pastors I want. We got about seven, eight of them. I can talk to them, but I can't talk to the pastor. 
So, so how do, is it is it a is it a right balance you can have when it comes to the amount of members? Is it can you have too many? Can you have not enough? I don't think so. Uh, I'm a I'm a big Bishop T D Jakes fan. Uh, so if you ever find out something bad about him, don't tell me. I don't want to know. I love him to death. He doesn't know my name. He's never met me. But anything he does, I try to support it. I go to a conference every year. I've never had a chance to shake his hand, never had a chance to have a conversation with him. But I glean from the messages. I support his mission. I give to his ministry every month. So I think it's all about what you need. And I don't I don't knock the person that says, for me, I need a personal relationship with my pastor. Then that person should go somewhere where they find that. The others that say, hey, if he never talks to me, he never meets me, I'm getting somebody to work. And that's okay, too. There's no right or wrong in this. There are people that are watching me now that I've never met in person. There are people that I, I, I run into in the local community, and they say, hey, we just sent your church some money. Oh, really? Yeah, we watched you the other day. And so I think it's, it's all about what the person needs. I think if you're a member of the church, the church should be attentive to you. Uh, if you look at the book of Acts, uh, in Acts 6, that's when the deacons were first instituted in church. And it was because the church was getting so large that people were complaining about not really being able to be taken care of. So they instituted deacons to take care of the people. And I won't get off on my tangent about what deacons have morphed into, but the deacons' role was to specifically take care of the people and help the pastors and the leaders take care of people. And so the, the biblical church was a mega church. They had, Thousands of people that they couldn't touch all the time. And so I think it just all depends on what that need is. I don't think the church can get too big. I think the vision has to be um, focused enough for everybody gets their care, no matter what format that's in. And because of how some of us grew up and because of how some of us see church, we need to be able to shake the pastor's hand. And that's what a person needs. They need to go somewhere where that can happen for them. That's my, that's my belief. Okay. I, was, I was a deacon myself in my old church. Son, don't advocate that. Don't advocate. Don't ever. Don't advocate you as a deacon. You need to check the books of that church. Hey, they, he, he was known by deacon do wrong. Deacon do wrong. But uh, you know the devil. I guess the definition of deacon was you know, helper, like you said. You know, be there to help people and uh. Be a, be a asset to the facility to do whatever do whatever needs to be done, pretty much. So I, I understand what you're saying when you, when you say, you know, that's why they got the elders, that's why they got the deacons, you know, because when you get too big, you got to have other people um, on the ground doing some footwork. You can't just go to one person. But a lot hey. of people in the church now, a lot of people in the church now want to roll just for popularity. They're not yep. really there for the pastor to have the pastor's back to do the work of the church. They are there just for, for uh, self-gratification. How would this help me out in the community? How would this help me do such and such? I just don't feel that we have a lot of um, people in positions that are, that are really there for the pastor that can say, if the pastor falls or slips, I'm there to catch him or her, or whoever my pastor is. I think it's just like you said, for clout. Well, well, it ain't all about the pastor either. I mean, pastor is a very important role in the church, don't, don't get me wrong, but that, I think that's where you get to, that's where you get issues is when you say, hey, the pastor is this high and mighty person. He's not He's not God, he's not Jesus, he's just the messenger, you know what I mean? It ain't, it ain't about, this this person is higher and mighty than anybody else. He's part of the community, part of that right. that facility, part of part of what they're trying to build together. So, you know, it it's a it's a teamwork kind of thing. It, it should be a teamwork kind of thing. But what we see a lot of times is, like you said, the mega churches they put them on this pedestal and they can do no wrong, or, the, or when they do something wrong, you know, swoop on the rug type thing. So, it, you know something. You know something, though, Jane? It's like, what what do you give your loyalty to? Is it to the church, the pastor, to to, to God? You know what I'm saying? It would be God. It's supposed to be God. Yeah, yeah. But, Not man. But but man that, remember what we talked about? Their focus is gone. Their focus is on right, something else right. now. So their it's focus is yeah. Their focus might be on. I'm, I'm gonna make sure the pastor is taken care of. Uh, uh this pastor ain't right for this church. He ain't right for my church. 
You know what I mean? But you're not looking at at what 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 the, your focus should be on. Yeah, it don't matter who the pastor is. Exactly. It's the word that's coming out of the mouth. You know yeah. what I mean? It ain't it's that the body. What it says, it's the body of Christ. So. Uh -huh. <laughs> this is this has been a, a, a real interesting a real interesting discussion, man. Pastor, pastor Zach, man, we appreciate having you on here, man. Um, like I say, on this podcast, sometimes we, we go a little bit off the rails, but I'm glad that sometimes we got a nice conductor who, who can bring us back, bring us back the way we need to be. And hopefully, you know, we might have answered some questions for some people out there, some people out there in the world who, who you know, who asked some questions about religion. You know, and maybe, maybe we didn't get to it, but if we didn't get to you, you know, you people, you can be sure that you can email us on all our platforms, reach out to us, and we can pass these questions on to, to Pastor Zach. Well, as a matter of fact, <laughs> as a matter of fact, since we got you right here, you know, Pastor, can you can you give your information out to the people? How can the people reach you and get in touch with you if they want to find out more about your church and more? Yeah, about I, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, the website is change me dot org change dash me dot org that's the website to the change church if you want to send us an email it's engage engage at change dash me dot org we'd be more than happy for them to come and connect with us our youtube page is, is the change church our our facebook page is, is the change church um you'll see us you may have to find the change church mall and that's where we originally started and uh, so, but if they go to those websites, they'll find us. We would love to hear from them. I also want to say uh, to our listeners, if, if, if there's any challenges that you know that are going on in your community, uh, on our website, you'll see a button that says change a life. And if you click on that button that says change a life, uh, that will give you an opportunity uh, to uh, nominate someone uh, who needs their life change. And so, uh, you know, people nominate people every week. That's how we do our giving. And uh, they tell us stories. And uh, uh, today we help some single mothers and we help some families that were in need. And that's what we do. And we, uh, our whole goal is to change lives. And so I welcome that. I open that opportunity to someone uh, who is in need. And uh, our motto as it relates to that is if you say something about it, we'll do something about it. And so uh, we, we try to help in that way. Our mission is to give, grow, and go. And I appreciate you sharing all that. And I hope uh, some folks will be willing to connect with us. And thank you guys so much. All right, hey, I'm gonna have to get your number after the uh, show, man, and uh, text it sometime when I'm when I'm dealing with my digs. Feel free, Anton has all my information. I hope you'll give all you guys my number. I'm open to any texts, to calls, anything you need. Right, right. Uh, I'm a I'm a donate to the church, so you answer my text and call before you answer me. If not, then I ain't gonna be supporting the church. <laughs> There's a competition now. I'm, I'm but it won't be a million dollars. Hey, I'm just trying to go a dollar more than anybody on the podcast so I can get my call out of bird. My God, my God. I'll be praying for you, brother. <laughs> I appreciate that, Pastor. Uh, we got we got any uh part JK, you got doctor, you got anything you got to say about No man, I think it was a lot of good uh interesting com conversations and topics that we had and um but just thank thankful for the pastor for joining joining the show and um I think it shed some light on a lot of different things that we can do individually and also uh as we partner with churches also to uh, help change our immediate communities. So. Uh what about you, LBZ? You got something you wanna say? I would just like to say thank you, uh, Pastor Zach, for coming on and dealing with this foolishness today and kind of shedding light on the church and its role and answering some questions. And I would just like to encourage everybody to kind of find your purpose, find your purpose, um, whether it be in a leadership role or a supportive role, find your purpose. Do what's best for your church and, and do whatever it is you can do to help grow the church in the community. And I appreciate you, Pastor Zach. And thank you, Anton, for introducing us to this, this great vessel. What about you, Tom? Hey, man, I appreciate, I appreciate you, Zach, uh, Pastor Zach, coming, coming on with us, man. I, I hit you up short notice, and, and you, you, was, you obliged to it, man. Like I said, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm, I'm glad being back on the show. I'm glad being back to, to getting with you guys. And, and remember, guys, hey, take one day at a time. That's my step. See, Nance. 
Yeah, old, old Pastor Zach, man, I can tell you, you got your stuff together, man, and it, it's really good to see a pastor who, you know, kind of seems, seems very relatable. You know, some some pastors, you know, if, like I say, they, they put on this pedestal, this altar and kind of thing where you can't, you feel like you can't talk to them about the real issues that you really have. And I, I think, like I said, I asked you for your, take, for your number because I'm like, uh, you know, I feel like I can talk to you and I, and I can say it in a way that I want to say it, not, not like um, trying to be politically correct on everything, you know what I mean? Because that's not what it's all about. I think it's all about relationships and, you know, building with each other, man. I, I, I feel that aura from you just off this show already, man, and I really appreciate you. Appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Um, before we get out of here, um, we kind of want to put you on the spot for a second, Pastor Zach. Um, uh, well, before we go, we want to let everybody know, thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us, showing up, spending a little bit of time with us. We'd like to let everybody know that, once again, this is the RIP 28 podcast. We're a podcast where people, where, where a few friends will get together, and we'll talk about a few things. Some of those things you might like, some of those things you might not like, but we're going to keep on talking about them. Now, we usually end this thing with a little bit of music. But uh, Pastor Zach, can you send us out on a, a quick prayer? Can you send us out on a quick prayer before we go out in these streets? Hey, no problem at all. Thank you, guys. Let us bow. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to share with the RIP 28 podcast and all their listeners. God, I thank you that we're here on purpose, God, that you saw this day in mind before we ever met each other, God. And this is a crossroads. Somebody's listening to me, God, and this pandemic has been heavy on their shoulders. Somebody is listening and they're asking themselves the question, where is the church? Somebody's listening, God, and they're hanging on by a thread. But I thank you, God, that you're strong enough to even grab the thread that they're hanging on to. Now, God, I pray, God, that everything that we've said today would benefit someone's life. God, and when there are more questions that they'll seek the local church or seek our church to find answers to those questions. Thank you for these brothers. Thank you for the topics that they cover. I pray for their families. I pray for their homes. I pray for their fears. I pray for what keeps them up at night. And God, I pray, God, for the things they're dreaming about that they'll grab hold to them. Thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen, Pastor. And we'll see you later on the RIP 28 podcast.